episode of the Facilitator M podcast. In the first episode of 2021, this podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance to GPMs in phase four and five fields. My name is Bob Bagley, Associate Executive Director of GP, and I'll be your host for the time we'll be spending together today. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the future of GP. You are probably aware that over the past few months, uh, the executive director, Dr. Jackson, has been on a forward focus experience. You may have wondered what that is. Today, we're gonna to answer all those questions because Dennis is with us. He's our special guest. And so welcome, Dennis, uh, to the Facilitator M podcast. Hey, I'm thrilled to be on today and grateful that we had this opportunity. Bob, thanks for initiating this. It's a joy to watch those and to hear our team share and others. Well, let's just jump straight in. Um, you know, we've been getting your emails. Pray for me on the FFX. And some of us have, have known a little more and some of us a little less. So let's go to the beginning. What was the forward focus experience and, and what, what drove it? That's a great question. You know, we really started thinking about this way before 2020 began even, let alone uh, 2021. Uh, I recognized I'd been in the work for over 10 years by that point. I was about to complete my second term as executive director. And I just had a growing sense that I required some space. We had talked earlier, is that a sabbatical? And we didn't really sense it was a sabbatical. It was more about saying, okay, what's ahead? but that, that that would require some space uh, for me to sort of get away. So we set aside three months. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a little easier time to go. I had already cut my travel by one-third from the previous year, and going into two, 2020, it was going to be cut a half of what it had been two years earlier. And uh, so it really lent itself. I was hoping I'd be reelected uh, so <laughs> I, I could actually do this experience. And because you took on this role as associate executive director, there was some new space in my journey, my life, my travel, my experiences that was really going to allow that to happen. And the real motivation beyond just personal was that over the past 20 years, the landscape of global missions has changed dramatically. And uh, that, this FFX time was a season set aside to gain, gain clarity on the priorities and positioning of global partners and missions for the next 10 years. Uh, I didn't expect to be in this role in the next 10 years at all, but it felt so significant to sort of set the stage and say, okay, what is it going to look like? How are we gonna be ready for that? And I, I made a list and the team made a list. People contributed to all the things that had changed over those past 20 years and you couldn't ignore most of them. You had to address those issues. Yeah. So big questions. How did you propose to find the answers? Well, that was, uh, you know, changed by COVID quite a bit. I initially was going to travel. There were places I was going to internationally check with some strategic people. Ben and I were working on a Singapore uh, connection, uh, not only at the Bangkok event, <clears throat> but but uh, later with some regional people who are really long-term mission people, mission sending agencies, receiving agencies, even within the Asia context. 
Uh, Lester and I were working at a time in Turkey to gather some of the key leaders from that region to find out what's going on in this area. How could we address that? And then I had a list of other mission leaders in my same role and mission thinkers um, that I was going to, you know, try to pull together, work together. And obviously all that travel kind of went by the wayside. Um, one of my other priorities was to get with young people. I really wanted to hear from the next generation and find out. And I've actually been able to capture a few of those experiences. But, you know, as of March 13, uh, we closed headquarters for two weeks. Um, I thought it might be three, you know, because this looks pretty serious. <laughs> and here we are months and months later. The only trip that I did was a fall road trip uh, to the Dakotas and Wyoming. And the Wyoming part got canceled because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, but thank God for Zoom. I've had so many, so many really great experiences that were captured because of technology. So, mm. yeah, I'm very tempted to put in some commentary. Uh, the, the focus on talking to youth, I think, to, to me rings a bell because, you know, historically, fresh movements in mission have had their roots among youth, uh, college kids, young adults, and uh, the, the future, that's where it rests. That's where it it rests. really does. And Bob, that was one of the thoughts, you know, it, it struck me again, the first time I visited Sierra Leone, you took me to the cemetery there where our first missionaries were buried. And in my mind, I was thinking, these are people who are 50, 55, seasoned veterans of ministry. And you get there and they're 24 and they're 28 and they're 31. And, and there's little kids because that's what they had was little, you know. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's even our heritage, that it was young people that said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Mm -hmm. and, and how in the world do we connect with this next generation? And, and um, yeah, that was some of the best experiences that I've had in this journey meeting with college students, high school, even junior hires, some of them already have a call to missions. And listening to them uh, was one of the great privileges of this, this time. Yeah, that's, that's a podcast on its own, I think, of how we engage uh, with the emerging generation. Um, but other areas, what, what, what were the major outcomes? Were there any aha moments or confirmations or clarifications? Yeah, there were. And I, I sort of made a list. And I would say that some of these are, are more significant than others. Some of them opened new questions. And in fact, probably mm -hmm. all of them did. But I think I'd begin with just the requirement that we need to have a stronger spiritual base. And I, I, I got to tell you, that's, that's probably coming out of my own journey with Christ right now, that I've just sensed a new dependence on him, a new need for dependence. I think that some of the COVID even has driven me to realize, wow, our best plans, our best strategies are not enough. And where God seems to be moving in the greatest ways, it's because people are praying and fasting. And our GPMs have modeled that in so many places and so many ways. Right now, the Albania team um, recognize that, wrote about that, and they're doing a daily prayer. I get the request. I get to lift it up. Um, our Turkic Arabic fields, uh, by and large, have led us in some of those unique prayers. A lot of things, Asia, Bar-America, and then our national leaders around the world. You know, it's not new to them. They get that part of it. 
we have a tendency to rely on our own thinking, our own planning, our own trusting, um, and our own money and uh, some of the resources that are always the best. So I, I've just sensed that. In fact, we're launching a 21 day prayer uh, and fasting on February 7th. And we're gonna do a second one toward Easter, third one towards Pentecost Sunday. And I, I, I think that what'll happen is our missionaries around the world are already doing something. This will just be an inspiration to them. We don't need to stop what they're doing. We wanna enhance what they're doing but what would it be like a particularly moving toward Pentecost to just come before the Lord and ask him to do greater things than what we can possibly do. Um, that, that prayer focus, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Prayer focus is that sort of growing circles. So the first one, the February one is a sort of an in-house GP focus. And then we're moving national or international church. How's that yeah. going? Yeah, so what we're doing is uh, we're actually doing a little bit of a test group right now to just see if the materials are working well and the simplicity of it. We're trying to keep it super simple. There's no big, you know, booklet that everybody has to memorize and figure out. Mm -hmm. It's just about praying. Um, so then we'll go to their missionaries and then there'll be some leadership in the North American church that will be involved in that, too. By that point, we will have made contact with as many national leaders around the world through the international board and the representation that we have there to try to spread this, particularly for the event leading up to Pentecost, which is going to be focused again in a prayer event. We were so pleased with what happened last year and so excited about some of the, the aftermark of that, that we said, let's do it again, uh, but let's make an even greater global focus on this. And what would it be like if we led a 21-day prayer and fasting coming into Pentecost with a real theme of mobilizing and sending? What would that do to maybe enhance what's happening already around the world, but in greater ways uh, in North America and around the world? And so we'll be, we have kind of a plan to involve national leaders and areas and and the conferences and to say, okay, what would it be like if we could really do this together? What would it be like if 10,000 people were on that call that night? And, um, and, you know, just seeing how God might move in that. So, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I, uh, after that one, my list is random. And so I'll <laughs> share some of these pretty quickly. I think we need a new lane. And by that, mean, I mean, kind of the lean and mean, I think we've been complicated by costs. In uh, the least reached areas are also generally our most expensive areas too. We've got to figure out uh, a way to do that. I'm grateful to Dave Horn stepping into this new development role and Ben and the team and what they're doing. I think we, we uh, will address that. I think we can address that. We're going to have to address it, I think, significantly radically. I don't think that's going to mean pay cuts and all those kind of things as much as it's going to be how else can we do this and what will be some of the things that affect that. And, and uh, I think that's gonna be significant. One of the ones I'm really excited about is this new marketplace multipliers movement that uh, Dr. Wayne's been really giving inspiration to, but it's been more driven by marketplace multipliers who mm -hmm. are really, really taking amazing steps. I was just on a phone call with Carrie Witcher who leads that with Jeff Clark on a separate phone call. And just casting the vision of what would it be like for people who work in the nations around the world or who might choose to because of being a multiplier? What would it be like if we could come alongside of them, help them with cultural training, 
help them with contextualization, be a point of care for them even, mm-hmm. um, that they would be missionaries on mission, but, but better equipped. And one of the illustrations I've used is, I know a young couple that uh, he worked for a major motor company out of Japan. He was transferred there in a leadership structure and growth pro- uh, process that he was engaged in. Spouse couldn't do anything. Um, she wasn't allowed. She wanted to interact with real Japanese people and it was difficult. She finally started teaching English, which was really great. But I was thinking afterwards, what if Andy, our missionary there could have come alongside of her and said, Hey, let me help you with a little bit of understanding here in Japan. Here's the history. This is not just a regular Asian country. And by the way, Japan has the largest unreached people group in the world. And here's some ways maybe you could share your faith. And, and I want to also just offer you care. If you hit one of those walls that we all hit, I'm here for you. Give me a call. And yeah, how much would that might have enhanced the experience that they had even as a couple? Because what the, the leaders are telling me in the culprit world is they get a great understanding of the culture of the corporate world, but that doesn't help them meet their neighbor. <laughs> they do fine at work. They, they, they do pretty good at not totally offending people culturally, but it's really corporately driven and not, you know, so what would it be like if we could raise up and come alongside and the marketplace multiplier leaders are like, oh man, help us. We want to do that better. And we believe that there's, so how could we reach young people who have an engineering degree who have a business degree, who have a medical degree, who have something in the social sciences where more and more countries are being demanded to address social issues. Well, they often need help from outside. What if we could help train and motivate some of those people? How is, it, how is that different than the old concept of tent making? Well, you know, I saw this term the other day, it's not mine, but I think sometimes we've been tent faking um, <laughs> that, that in fact, we pretend we do something or the business's mission, but business's mission is usually going in fresh. It's harder and harder to do that these days. And while there's some wonderful success stories, there's also a lot of failures that that didn't really work. These are people that are actually trained, ready to go, have a position. Um, we don't have to find a position. We don't have to make up a position. Um, the weakness downside to it isn't a BAM approach. Somebody goes and starts a company. They can bring sometimes missionaries with them to be on the team and have some involvement in the business, but primarily they're to be missionaries. But again, it's, it's not as easy as it used to be. Uh, it used to be there weren't all the computers that tied the entire nation together that you could try to reach this border. You know, I remember Dave and Brenda talking about how if they got shut down on a border going into Eastern Europe. They just try a different border and they didn't track it. <laughs> uh, you can't do that anymore. And uh, how do we reach those two largest, most populated countries, least unreached? Um, it won't be through traditional missions. So, Yeah. I'm hoping it's legitimate because sometimes we faked our way, you know, I drink coffee, so let's start a coffee shop. Uh, That doesn't mean you understand how to do a business, but if you can raise $200,000 a year to support that business, you can stay open, you know? And uh, yeah, I want to do this legitimately. And I think, again, there's, there's a whole bunch of people out there who, uh, who are doing that and want to do that would love to be on mission. I was in a discussion with, with Dr. Schmidt uh, as he was explaining this, and it struck me, this isn't an innovation, 
this is book of Acts stuff. Because the, the early church spread through people in their workplace, whether they were slaves working or whether they were people working in the palace at upper levels of government. And just a natural spreading of the gospel in the workplace. Yeah. Rather than trying to bring people to, to a, an evangelistic crusade or a, or a church, church was out there. Yeah, that's really true, Bob. And sometimes we in the church have just looked for these people to pass on money to send missionaries. And that's the only use we have for them when, in fact, they can be on mission. And many of them are every day of their lives. But what would it be like if we could come alongside and offer them things that they won't get other places and partner mm -hmm. with them at every level and, and particularly even care? You know, I think uh, what a what a gift we can be. For long-term people to be able to say, I know what you're feeling a little bit. I don't understand the business situation. I'm not trying to pretend on that. But I know what it is to miss family. I know what it is when you feel trapped sometimes. And to be able to care for them in that way. This could, um, be, this could be big. Yeah, yeah, it really could. Yeah. And we've got great partnership and things moving forward. Barrow America is already talking through it. They've already appointed somebody in Asia Pacific, a national uh, Seema Justin, who's a wonderful, amazing leader uh, to give leadership to it there. And her and her husband, Lena, so partner in some of that. But uh, yeah, I, it's going to be a, a really great thing, I think, moving ahead. And, uh, and I, I think, again, there's an opportunity for us to come on board and partner with them. Um, I do wonder, too, uh, the digital pathways, and this is one of those things the new generation is going to help us to do. It's just so natural for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to one of our pastors whose son, I met his son, who said he dropped out of university because he's got a business going on YouTube and uh, his best friends he's never met in person. But you can't tell them they aren't his best friends. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they game together for an hour and a half, but they they meet together for an hour before that just to catch up and find out how life's going. And, and I think this next generation is going to open up doors in the digital areas that in my best and, you know, hopeful thinking, I'd still say, Oh, it's about a relationship. We've got to be present. We've got to, you know, learn their language and all those things. And I think those are still critical, but what if we came alongside of them and said, here's some cultural understanding. This is a, honor shame culture and you don't understand that but we can help you understand that are there resources again that we can put into those people's hands they're going to do some things we can enhance that and uh when i've had those conversations with young adults that's been something they've been very very interested in and want to know more about can you give a real quick synopsis of what some of our creative access places are doing using the digital platform in order to create pathways for discipleship. Yeah, that'd be a great broadcast too sometime uh, yeah. for this, although we'd want to be careful. Um, some of them are using social media to do a very positive expression of the gospel with an opportunity eventually in those, in those different entries to request a Bible. Um, and would you be interested in having somebody actually give you the Bible and not just send it to you? Um, and those opportunities have opened up and uh, we're using it in Europe. We're using it in some in the Turkic Arabic world. That's been one of the key ways that people have been uh, seeing some responses. In one of our countries in particular, the, our team, our whole team just went through a training with this. And what was really significant was all of the trainers were nationals. Mm. 
that was significant. We haven't seen that before in that country. It's always been missionaries still trying to do their best to train nationals. This is nationals training missionaries how to do it even better, as well as national leaders. And there's been a new groundswell of people very involved and interested in that because of it uh, coming from the nationals. And they're seeing results slow still, but more results than we've seen otherwise in some of these places. And again, people can be on a phone and nobody knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I, I think of what Matt Boyer has done to get the, the U version in Macedonian language and uh, how many people, thousands that are on that every month where before they didn't have access to scriptures. In fact, there's very few Bibles there. And uh, Matt's writing curriculum and Bible studies and all these kind of things that are making a big difference. Uh, those are just a couple of examples um, of what's going on right now. That would be a great broadcast. Uh, good thing I can't see people's faces on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think another one that I wrote down was a greater affirmation and partnership of the global South. And I've had this just sense that in a barrel America in Africa, while we need to partner and we certainly can help to facilitate, they're going to figure it out. I, I, I've had a new sense of hope with that, that they're going to figure it out. And we have a place, but I'm less concerned about us playing a major part of that as I am just being an encourager and a blesser of that. Mm -hmm. I think they will figure it out and won't be trapped by some of the things in this next generation won't be looking to us as much anyway. And so I think that's gonna help move things forward in the global South. What is our part? How do we work that out? Those are some things we're gonna to have to continue to navigate. I sense that the new international board, when we came out of the international conference, the international board, because we widened the leadership involvement of that, it was seven members, it's now 13. We added very strategic people in very strategic places. And I think that's opening up new doors of connectedness to the whole where they're looking to each other for answers, not just the North American church. And I celebrate that. That's really, really enjoyable. Uh, there's three subcommittees working and most of it's all everywhere to everywhere functions. And uh, again, very excited about what's gonna happen because of that. Uh, this is kind of off the movement, but I think in our North American church engagement. We're making some good strides. Mike Morgan's given some great leadership to that with a team of people. I'm really excited about that. And one of the keys that they're observing is that we need to build relationship before partnership. I think that's the gap we've had. When we were sending missionaries out and there was openness, churches were having a Sunday school, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, a special mission service on Friday, we had lots of opportunities to naturally to have relationships with a broad spectrum of people. That's just not the case as it is once was. There's lots more competition from other agencies doing very good work for the very limited amount of time we have. And so unfortunately we've had to rely on just an event or a moment in a service or a video that got played, but we've missed out on some of the relationship and uh, as I visited some churches this fall, um, I had the opportunity to really sit down with teams. And I asked for that. I, I said, can I meet with a leadership team? And I had some wonderful experiences with that. 
over dinner, over special events. And that changed the game because it was back to relationship. And then the partnership was like, well, what else can we do to come alongside? Because there was, there was just deep connection. It wasn't with just a pastor or just the mission leader. It was five or 10 or 15 or 20. And uh, I think that's something we've just got to figure out how to get there. It's, it's never going to be easy in the days ahead. Um, but, you know, again, I think that's going to be critical. Mike's doing a great job of just the, the group meetings he's having, expanding that with district directors of global partners, with key mission leaders. Um, and I think they can help us build those other relationships. But I think that's going to be key. I would love to be back to the point where we're preferred partners with our Wesleyan churches in North America. And we've got a long ways to go on that, but we'll get there. I think there's some good new things happening that, that'll help. Um, we'll never be the only partner and I don't want to be the only partner. There's still more things that could be done. I think leadership structures of sending and receiving and how to fund those structures are going to be critical in this next journey. And we're uh, Bangkok 2020 was going to be a part of those conversations. We've got some leadership council meetings coming up next month that I think that's going to be a key part of, okay, what does that look like? How do we process that? Um, I'm still pondering. I haven't finished my final report. This was really helpful to actually be pushed on this a little bit. I think there are many more uh, ideas that are going to have to come together uh, in the days ahead. Those are some of the big things that I'm kind of got on the table at the moment. That's great. How has this changed you as a person? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just so appreciative of that there are a ton of churches and a ton of individuals. And I think I've grown in that over the last uh, few months as I've connected with some of our, our deep partners and some of our just regular partners that send us $25, $30 a month, you know, to support a missionary. So my own appreciation has grown. I think I had that already, but it's just been more tangible. I think the other thing that I've uh, uh, just really taken away from this is, uh, I think it was Patrick Lencioni that kind of talked about the 80-20 in a new rule, new way. Uh, you know, I talk about 20% of the people provide 80% of the fruit and the, you know, the money and the involvement and stuff like that. He's kind of twisted to say, you know what, once we get to 80% of completion, we had to just launch things um, and, and we try to get things perfect. And that's been something that's been a really great uh, thing in my life is I tend to over-prepare. I tend to make sure I've got all my ducks in a row and then extra ducks just in case ready to put it into my <laughs> need to. And I just really sensed, you know what, we got to move faster on some things. One of Lencioni's insights was once we launch something, 20% of at least of it isn't right and you have to adjust it anyway. So why not start that way? Um, I also had an amazing experience in a coaching uh, experience that I launched, oh man, probably back in April or May and walked through uh, what ended up being a, a time of uh, healing prayer that uh, it was just a really remarkable thing that I couldn't have done if I had been on a regular travel schedule. I met with this person weekly, only twice in person, the rest of the times in Zoom, um, but it would have been... Uh, pretty difficult to pull that off otherwise. And uh, it led to just some really new insights, 
some fresh realizations of some things that I had said I had dealt with, but probably needed to go deeper. And the Holy Spirit really met with me in some amazing ways during that time. And I continue to see the fruitfulness of that. Um, I have also just reprioritized as I was uh, finalizing my PVC for last year and writing the new one for this year. I've really uh, narrowed it down to five things that I'm going to be focusing on and trying to make sure that I'm not doing much of anything else but those five things. And a lot of that is investment in relationship, particularly with leaders within global partners, national leaders, a select group that I want to I want to just connect with more deeply and hear more from. I think they're going to be key leaders in the everywhere to everywhere. And then uh, just some priorities of prayer and fasting that I think will go on beyond these 21 day experiences. We've never concluded a, a podcast this way, but I'm going to break with tradition or protocol or something and, and, and ask you to, to pray for, for our missionary team. Um, these are unusual days. Pandemic is not over. Uh, it's one thing to talk about the long range future, 10 years down the pipe, but the next year, the next two years, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of apprehension and, and you know, is my support gonna stay in place? Am I going to find a, a significant ministry happening with the kind of restrictions that our country is facing and so on? So I, I'd, I'd like to close out this time, if you're willing, simply by having you pray for DMs that are serving. I would love to do that, Bob. And I have felt that from them. And I felt that myself, um, even this morning, woke up just sort of discouraged with what things are. And then reminded in the scriptures this morning that we have hope. So Holy Spirit, guide this prayer. And even as I pray that, I sense, Holy Spirit, that you remind us of the promise. Then when we don't know how to pray, when we don't know how to even process and think and strategize, that Holy Spirit, you intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. We're reminded that Jesus, you said, I live to intercede and that you're always at the right hand of the Father. And even now we sense that we are the benefactors of you praying for us. And so I would pray for our team today. So many faces and names come through my mind, even as I say that. Some of them discouraged today. Some of them wondering um, what to do even today with their day because there's so many limitations. Some of them where they felt like they've been just hitting a wall over and over again. Some who have had great opportunities and there's some new horizons and they're wondering how to keep pace with it. They're wondering how long an openness that seems to be new will last and wondering about that. And even as Bob mentioned, wondering about support levels and people that are affected deeply by this financially, but are caregivers and support uh, providers for us in so many different ways. So I pray, Lord, the verses that I prayed over myself this morning, where Jesus, you said, come to me. What an amazing invitation that we can come to you. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I pray that rest over our team today. 
I pray that rest that goes deeper than just sleep, although some of them may really need some sleep. Some of them are dealing with family and children and education issues, and some of them don't have any of those issues, but they feel so weary because they feel so alone. And some in the midst of even teams will feel alone and some of them who are not a part of a team. So would you give rest in ways that specifically speak to each individual? And then would we learn from you and would we find that you disciple us even deeper and that we would find that you provide for us everything that we need? Thank you that we have a throne of grace, not a throne of power, a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace so that we can find sufficiency for every need. And so we just thank you for our team. We thank you for our leaders, national leaders around the world. Thank you for the places where you're moving in powerful ways. And thank you where we continue to persevere in prayer and wait to see you do what you've promised to do. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Dennis. We appreciate you taking the time and, and filling us in. Um, I'm optimistic about the future, really am. I, I think the days for mission are going to be very different, but I think very different in a good way. And I agree with you, Bob. I couldn't be more hopeful overall. God is not surprised by anything that's going on. And uh, one of my friends recently told me, he said, I just have this vision of the Trinity right now doing a little bit of a dance, celebrating what he's about to do among us and through us. And so I believe you're right. God is on the throne. He's working. He's the harvest maker. Yeah. And thank you to those of you who are listening to us and taking the time. May God's richest blessings be yours today.